Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, so we were on the bench on Sunday. Well, Chris was there for a couple days. I was on there for a few hours, giving him some emotional support. And uh, we saw TJ rushing, leaving at around 10.30 a.m., which is early for a uh, for an assistant coach to be leaving. Chris, do you remember what, what he said to us? Have a good day, I think. Or goodbye. Yeah. And it was goodbye it was forever. say goodbye. It, it was goodbye forever, apparently, because he ain't coming back. All these people just keep walking out of my life. Who else? Well, Willie drove by. A lot of times, didn't really stay for the entire recruiting. Rand, Randy did, got on a plane, went to Old Miss, and then came back magically. It was it was kind of weird. Too. This is the profession that we're dealing with. It's a business. It's a business. People come and go. So we weren't planning to record a podcast, but there's enough uh, enough to talk about here with TJ Rushing reportedly leaving Florida State uh, for a similar job at Texas A&M. Uh, early indications are that it's probably a hefty raise for him, although we don't have an actual contract for TJ rushing. Cause he was hired legitimately a month ago, not even to be Florida state's defensive backs coach. Uh, so that's going to be the topic today on, on the bench. This is Brendan Sinone. The voice you heard earlier is Chris Snee, uh, Josh Newberg's on the line as well. Hi everyone. Thanks for joining us. L- let's get into this. Uh, TJ rushing, not at FSU. We, TJ, we hardly knew you. It was uh, a very brief amount of time for him to be here. Not really sure he made an impact. Uh, Josh, I'm going to throw this to you. Surprised, right? Yesterday when you started kind of hearing rumblings at about, what, noon or so that, that he may be leaving. We didn't know for where, but turns out to join Jimbo at A&M. Which yeah, was- it was funny. You guys had the same exact reaction I got. So I got tipped off by, I'll just call him an out-of-state um, uh, trainer. He's a trainer for high school kids out of state and he's DM me on a few things, but he just said, Hey man, want to give you a t- heads up. TJ rushing is gone. And I go, Whoa, what? And he's like, um, and I go, where's he going? And he goes, no clue. And my reaction was, well, I'm assuming it's, it's to another school or is this something different? He goes, Oh no, it's definitely to another school. I just got no clue. So I in turn drop it in our Knowles 24 seven group chat that I just got that tipped off and you guys had the exact, there was a couple woes in there. Wow. What, <laughs> why? Um, so yeah, we were all caught off guard. There's no doubt about it. Um, that was about noon. Uh, we did some quick 
thinking and somebody had the idea of contacting Brian Peroni of our Texas A&M site because we just know that they did not have a DB, but we didn't have any reason at that time to believe it was going to be TJ rushing. We just knew that they had a vacancy. So we reached out to him and I kind of alerted Peroni to it and uh, he hadn't heard anything, but would said he would dig on it. And about what, an hour and a half later, um, the news started to pop on Twitter and uh, TJ rushing said his final good bo- goodbye to the boys on the bench. And he's at Texas A&M now. Yeah, it actually started around one thirty, and the conclusion was around 3. Gotcha. I know the clock works differently for you, Newberg. Thank you. Because you wake up so damn early. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a shock to everybody. But It is, it is um, weird. Like, like 5.30 early. 4.30 early. But here's the thing with the TJ rushing stuff. I, I know a lot of people were caught off guard. and hey, College football is a weird thing for fans. Um, we understand the way it works. And Florida State has money. Florida State has a lot of money, but they don't have endless amounts of it. I've said that before. And they don't there's have a, oil money. Yeah, and there's a there's a few teams out there that can pay for coaches that can pay more for coaches than FSU can, and Texas A and M is one of them. They've already proven it once. I mean, what more do we need to see? They came through and swiped our head coach, let alone a position coach. That's light work for them. But it's just the reality of the situation, and I understand fans. Um, upset with anything that happens between Texas A&M and, F- and FSU. I can understand why fans would feel a certain type of way against TJ rushing. Um, but the reality of it is, and, and from the, from the business side of things is this is just the way it goes. Um, I don't have all the details now and I'll, and I'll update it once I do, but I don't think there's going to be any hard feelings from TJ rushing and, and Mike Norvell. Um, it's the way this business goes. FSU has assembled this staff by, swiping other coaches off other staffs and they might very well go and do that again. So it's just kind of the nature of the business, but I can understand from a fan's perspective, how it feels. There are three things that I kind of want to break this into categories of, uh, for TJ rushing first is why and how, as Josh said, we're still kind of piecing the details together. Uh, the next is the impact for the program and recruiting. I'm going to ask Chris on that for a minute, uh, or in a minute to, to provide some updates there. And then three uh, potential replacements is something that people want to know. In terms of the impact for FSU, so I look at it in two ways, guys, and I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts. But one, is it, it's not ideal for someone to come through your program for 28 days, leave. Uh, it doesn't help that it's Texas A&M. Like, I think you could have gone anywhere. And if it wasn't a Jimbo Fisher-related deal, uh, people wouldn't have been that upset. Remember, rushing was probably mm-hmm. the most lukewarm response. Oh, maybe Florida or Miami. There's a very well, it's select still, few. It's, this kind of stuff happens. It doesn't happen all the time, um, but it certainly happens. I wouldn't say this is like – and the biggest waste of all this is just time. You know, time and energy, getting TJ rushing caught up on things, getting him in FSU system, getting all that – up to speed. Now you got to go and do this again with another coach, introduce them to the players, introduce them to the recruits and start all over again. It just means that rushing is going to be Louisiana's next head coach when Napier moves on. Cause he broke Napier's record. <laughs> he did break Napier's record by like 20 minutes. Uh, but that brings me to the next point, And that's the, the impact for the program. Like you said, Josh, it's wasted time, but really, I mean, he really didn't coach a player. I mean, I know like the timing of it doesn't look good uh, for rushing's perspective, 
And if this happens all the time for Florida State where you're losing a coach within a month, like that's not a good look either. But an isolated incident, which is what it is right now, they didn't start spring practice, so he really didn't get a whole lot of time to work with his defensive backs. Uh, I want to talk about the recruiting impact with Chris here in a second, but what there was one defensive back that has taken an official visit and that's slated to take an official visit as Donovan Kaufman. Chris, go ahead. Like, I don't see that as being a huge impact because of the position he plays. Well, some of it's because Adam Fuller is so heavily involved in Kaufman's recruitment. Kaufman has a relationship with multiple members. That wasn't me. Multiple members of the FSU coaching staff. It's not solely a TJ Rush and Kaufman relationship. So he knows Fuller. He knows Norvell. He has familiarity with others. He came, visited, and got to know other people. I reached out to Kaufman yesterday. He got back to me early evening, around 6 p.m. or so. Said, you know, that's crazy because he was literally just house shopping, which I presume comes from a conversation I had over the weekend. Uh, he said he had a conversation with Coach Fuller where Fuller informed him that rushing was leaving for AM. But this doesn't change anything we have planned for you is what Fuller's message was to him. I asked him straight up, does it impact you with FSU? He says it doesn't do anything. And he also added he didn't know who they were bringing in, that they just said they were bringing in the best, to quote that. Um, one other little house cleaning piece on Kaufman. He switched up visits a bit. Baylor official this coming weekend, Old Miss unofficial the following weekend because this will be his fifth visit this coming weekend, official visit. So that's kind of going on. That's the only other thing to add with him. But I think FSU's still in a pretty good spot with Donovan. And for what it's worth, Adam Fuller, I was told weeks and weeks ago that he'd be primarily – his role is going to be interesting because he's not working with a specific position and title. But in theory, uh, he'll spend a good chunk of time with safeties is how it was designed. Now, I'm not sure how that changes with Fuller leaving, but that was the initial plan. Now, he'd kind of roam around all over the place because he is a defensive coordinator but would have his hand – uh, in the cookie jar when it came to the safeties. So that's why I don't think TJ rushing leaving makes a huge deal. Again, there was no cornerbacks or guys that he was specifically recruiting that were kind of scheduled to visit. I found this to be a minimal impact. I kind of look at this guys. Tell me if you think I'm, I'm crazy here, kind of silver lining. Uh, this affirms what we thought of Mike Norvell, that he's a really good evaluator of coaching talent that other big programs from around the country uh, value his ability to judge coaches and this is kind of what norvell's program is all about i wrote a column last night published it this morning i think maybe not the timing of it for florida state where you're losing a guy in a month is something you have to get used to but the idea of other big programs or nfl teams or whatnot being interested in your coaches is something you're gonna have to get used to again because it's been what four or five years yeah i think you said pruitt was the last one that you would really say was a valued guy that left that was wanted that FSU tried to retain. So that was a good point. I, there's never a good time for a guy to leave. People will say the dead period, but you know, you just signed kids that that coach was involved with. So there's never really a truly good time in the coaching profession to change ranks. I'd rather and, have it now than at the end of spring or something when you right. invested yeah. that time building it. Like Josh said, there's time lost, but 28 days. Like yeah. when, when the relationship has become strong between the current roster and the assistant coach is when it becomes more difficult because it just, it kind of segments things, kills it off. It also changes kind of the standing of guys where they fit with the guy. There's something about having a feel for one another as player and coach and personnel that matters and you don't want to have that happen in, you know, June, July, right before the season. All right. And and, and to uh, address my point, I wasn't saying this is, this is the worst thing that happened. I was only saying this is the worst thing that happened. Like 
to me that the time stuff, it doesn't impact recruiting that much. It doesn't really impact the team all that much right now. It's just kind of like a, a nuisance. You got to go through this yeah. whole uh, process again. And if it happens like to Josh's point, if this happens again and again and again, then I think we'd be like, all right, what's happening here. Right. But, but right now it, it seems just an isolated incident. Like Josh said, it's an, it's Part an annoyance. It's a nuisance, but if it happens once, like whatever, uh, if it happens again and again, we'll we'll address it and say what what's happening to to lead to that abrupt of an exit. Uh, third point on rushing before we move on to talk about some other things, replacements. Uh, Josh, I'll throw this to you. I know you and Chris have both worked on getting some intel on it, uh, so I'll throw it to you first, Josh, to kind of fill us in on some names or or some of the chatter going on right now. Well, the, the names that we tie immediately are, are uh, Mike Trier, who was hired already once at FSU as an off-field analyst. He just left for Colorado State recently um, for an on-field position. So he could be somebody that Norvell double backs on. Marcus Woodson, who's at Auburn, has ties to Mike Norvell and coached under him and was a name of interest when we were going through the process the first time. And then, um, you know, we gathered some intel last night from the coaching meeting and Mike Norvell had tipped off a couple people that we know and told him that not specific names, but that these, the hire could come from the NFL ranks. Um, one guy we're looking at specifically is Al Harris. And that's just somebody that we kind of connected some dots with, with a little bit of intel but right now, if it was somebody that came from that area, it would probably be Al Harris. It seems like he played high school football at Palmetto High at Palmetto and was an GA at FAU. He was hired last spring. I don't have confirmation that he made it through the season, but I assume he did. So he's got a little bit of coaching experience at the college level, been around the state of Florida and was is from the state of Florida. Um, but we're still trying to kind of nail down a, a maybe a DB coaching hot board. Um, but those are some familiar names right now. Yeah, and I mentioned what Kaufman said about Fuller telling them they would hire the best. I think that just evokes that they believe they're going to get a good candidate. They have somebody in mind. And the only other thing I would really add is that I reached out to Woodson. I believe we also reached out to T-Buck. We haven't heard back from either of those guys pertaining to the opening, whether or not there's any interest, if they've been talked to, if they have an interest. So just uh, be uh, transparent, passing that along. If T Buck doesn't happen now, I think we're kind of like at a T-Buck, win, right? Deal I, for him. I love T Buck. I, I think people know that. I think very highly, both of a, a person and a player, and I think he's a good coach too. And he recruits this area, so that's not added benefit. Um, but he's like the unicorn of coaching searches. What FSU? Anytime there's a vacancy on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the secondary, his name immediately comes up, whether there's any footing to it or not. He's been in Tallahassee a lot lately. Doesn't he have a daughter that goes here? She did. She, she played did. golf here. I don't right. believe she's still, still here. Still here. All right. I'm just joking. That was a few years ago. It was like 2014. Just joking. All right. Josh and I spoke earlier this morning, uh, kind of prepping whether we were going to do a podcast or not. And, and Josh brought up a point. And I don't know if I agree entirely with him, but I didn't want to give him the platform here because that's what the podcast is <laughs> I don't for. know if I totally agree with what I'm... <laughs> oh, well, good. I'm glad. I'm I, love, I love when Josh has internal arguments with himself. It's one of my favorite Josh Newbergisms. <laughs> I, was, I was just saying, telling Brendan, and this was just not... We weren't trying to come up with podcast topics or anything. I was just letting it loose on Brendan this morning for a little bit. And lucky me, 
I think in 2020, we need to get, get it out of here. The idea that the Florida state secondary is a strength of the, of the program for so many years, I feel like, and rightfully so for a lot of years, it was just a year after year. Secondary is a strength. Secondary is a strength. It was okay to say it, but I think it's kind of like carried itself on this myth for at yeah. least I, the last two I years. I actually, I agree with you. And I, I think I even spoke on that some during the season last year that it's like, we're in a trap of just saying it because of recruiting rankings and the talent and the perception that the talent's really good. That group needs to do more plain and yeah, simple. They need to, said yeah, that during they, when Akeem Dent was getting hit, like a guy getting shot at with a paintball gun last year with balls hitting him and him not catching them. You know, it reaches a point where, like, you got to make a damn play. Like, as a group, there has to be production. There has to be plays. You have to make performance happen for you to kind of evoke the belief that you are worthy of that certain level of uh, designation. That was the – I think that was the point that after hashing out for a little bit with Josh that we kind of landed on was, you know, there's been – like, the DB play hasn't necessarily been atrocious all across the board, although two years ago or last – or two seasons ago, they allowed the highest amount of passing touchdowns in college football was a little bit better this year. Uh, but the lack of impact plays made at that level since when uh, Derwin in 2015, as a freshman T- towards I mean, McFadden in 2016, had a ton of interceptions. Levante also, had his pick against Sanford, which was crucial second game of two years ago. Yeah. That would be one. I mean, I but, but, so that's, but I mean, there's not a lot. There's a very few and far the, between we're, we're I, scraping I, the barrel of a game against an FCS team as guys making consistently steady impact plays. I think part of the reason we have this conversation is when you're doing depth chart breakdowns and you're looking, you go, Oh, they got talent there. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a concern at, corner there's not a concern at safety it's not like other positions where it's like one injury and you feel like you're somewhat screwed i think that's some of the reason why we always fall back on that should be a strength because on paper they're better are. than others but it's solely paper champions well even yes. the metrics like kind of say there's not huge glaring holes in the secondary right like the payoff yeah. grades are all pretty favorable for those guys but cohesively it, it to josh's point it hasn't led to quantifiable like good I, results and winning games because of how the secondary is playing i'll play devil's advocate to a degree and then let josh chime back yeah. in sorry to cut you off josh oh, God. some of it's the front pressure a secondary is much better with good pressure up of front course. fsu hasn't been very good at producing pressure up front in several years so you know guys can get burnt when plays take seven seconds because well that's going to happen that's just the way football works but when guys only have three seconds, mistakes happen. Secondaries can look a lot better because they capitalize on those mistakes. So just playing a little devil's advocate, I certainly think that group can be better. But I also think it would really benefit them to have a good rush up front. Yeah, and I think over time, the dynamics of a roster change and everything, right? And for some reason, I feel like we've accepted it. Fans have accepted that the running back room is a major need, um, not just numbers, but also talent. Like We don't know where the next superstar is going to come from. And for some reason, because of the the superstars that came through the program four, five, six, seven years ago, I feel like the and it, and it might this isn't saying the staff sees it the same way, but we fans, you know, FSU misses on a big DB target. It's like, oh, okay, this is the strength of the team. We'll, we'll get them next time. It's okay. We can take these um, kind of reaches because our DBs is the strength of the of the program and we got time to develop these guys. And it's like even the superstars, quote unquote, superstars that are playing um, early, like Akeem Dent and, and Renardo green um, they're out there, but they're not certainly not making plays. And besides the hype that they came in with, 
if you just watch them on the field, there's, there's reasons to be excited, but there's also reasons to be hesitant. Whereas in the past, I think we just gave passes because we knew these guys, Ronald Darby and Jalen Ramsey. I mean, they came in and, and they, they truly locked it down. And I think we're living off the past. And I think in 2020, I'm not here to stand for it. I'm going to let you guys know that defensive back is a major position of need. Uh, some of this comes down to development too, and coaching. Uh, and I, and I can, I can picture listeners right now chiming in on the message board later saying, well, once we get your know, competent defensive back coaching, cause it's not a secret. The fan base wasn't thrilled with what Harlan Barnett did at the position the last couple of years. They weren't the only ones. They were not. Uh, and some of that was him getting a raw deal, but some of it was I don't as think a coordinator. Players were thrilled with it. That's not. What I, mean. yeah. I certainly wasn't thrilled with it. <laughs> I was talking about players. Uh, regardless of the reasons why the production at defensive back was not great under his tutelage, uh, and then you go back to the Charles Kelly. Like again, it goes back to God. We brought up Jeremy Pruitt as the last coach who uh, who who was really coveted on this staff as an assistant. Is that was also the last time FSU's DB play was really worth something on a consistently high basis. Uh, across the board so uh, i think some of it, it you're going to hear fans say as they listen to this conversation uh, wait till we get you know better competent coaching in the secondary <laughs> which brings us to the point well we don't know there's a lot of factors and there's a lot of factors that go into it but um they certainly need to start recruiting better uh and it's just time to kind of put more attention toward the secondary it, it you can't just rest on your laurels we've seen what that did the last two years specifically and it just needs a complete overhaul, in my opinion. You're not super smitten over Donovan Kaufman, right, Josh? Of what's available, I'm okay with it. I just don't know, you know. Moving forward, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say much more, Brendan. I, I'm just trying to. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to just Chris, cut it off right there. Chris isn't paying full attention. I'm just trying no, to I am. instigate a fight between. No, the I, I like him. I think I've said that. I, I like a cover guy in space. I don't think he's. That's not what he is. But a little wrecking ball down off the edge, cleaning stuff up at the second level, being a high capacity tackler. I like those things about. Yeah, him. I understand what he is, and I understand the the context of which FSU is recruiting and what's available. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock it like that. But again, just from a macro level. Um, I don't know if, you know, signing Donovan Kaufman is, is going to address what I've been talking about for the last five minutes. Newberg wants to see some results. Damn it. All right. going to take a quick break. Come back. I uh, got a few little recruiting nuggets here and there, little odds and ends you want to uh, tie up the podcast with, and then, uh, then we'll wrap it up. Introducing the two way V4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance with fuel cell. Each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return paired with fresh foam experience, maximum comfort throughout the game. It's lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two way for yourself at newbalance.com. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. 
Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back. Uh, Josh, I'm going to start off with this. Uh, FSU had a meet and greet in South Florida. I believe it was in Boca last night. We're recording this on, what, Tuesday? So it would have been Monday evening. Uh, your general thoughts on, on one, uh, the idea of having these meet and greet with the FSU coaching staff with high school coaches mm-hmm. down that way, and then, two, uh, any intel or feedback that you uh, – that you got from, from how that went. Yeah, man. I talked to a couple people, um, about the meet and greet, most notably, uh, Larry Bluestein spoke with him for, for about a half hour this morning. And Larry had some great things to say, some Intel. They gathered at, at a Marriott in Boca Raton. He told me that it took place kind of just in the lobby bar area. Um, coach Norvell arrived with the entire staff. There's also some off field personnel there. Um, the event was attended primarily by Broward and Palm Beach coaching staffs. Uh, there was no Dade. FSU already did the Dade one. It didn't go, it didn't go too well. Uh, there's still a lot of work to be done in Dade, but this was a focus on Broward and Palm Beach counties. And there was a great turnout. Um, it sounds like anywhere from 50 to 60 people, somewhere in that range. Deerfield Beach had the most coaches. Larry said he brought, he thinks that they brought about 13 coaches there. Um, Cooper city, North Broward, Dwyer, handful of others were also represented. And, um, Mike Norvell told him that like, Hey guys, I'm not, not doing this to just necessarily impress you guys. We were all, we were going to start the week in this area as a staff. So we figured we might as well pop up here and, and do a little meet and greet, get to know some of you guys. Um, he explained that, it's not about ego. It's not about them. It's, it's about the, the high school players, the players on the staff and the high school coaches. And he explained that if any coaches and, and high school players come up during the season, they're more than welcome to stay for the entire practice. And the doors are open to high school coaches afterward. Um, they don't just want them to come up and watch a practice and, and, and see how it's run. They want to show them how exactly they do it, how they plan it. So they're more than welcome to come to the more afterward to watch some film, to watch post-practice meetings and how the staff conducts themselves. Uh, He wants his success to come on the field, Bluestein said. He downplayed the speech and the hype and everything. And he said, you know, I I just I want to he he wants his success and notoriety to come from on-field winning. Um, Just to wrap it up, they emphasize that South Florida is a target area for them. Um. They know that they're not familiar with all the areas and all the coaches, but they were engaged, energetic, and and willing to listen. And I was told from Larry that you know it went a long way. It doesn't fix everything. There's still work to be done, but this is definitely a step in the right direction. It's funny that Josh used the word energetic. I was going to share. I spoke to a coach who met them. I don't know if it was last evening or late last week when they did the Dade one, but it was in recent days. He says, I like them. They're energetic, happy to be here. He also told me in a previous conversation that they are very open to having back and forth conversation, that they're not just there to tell you things. They're very interested in hearing things, speaking with you, learning about your roster, available players. You know, they're very uh, there's a lot of input that they want from the coaching side of the high school ranks. And I think that goes a long way when you're pretty receptive to that bunch. That's a similar message to when trying to think when he was at when Norvell spoke at the Florida Florida Coaches Convention in Daytona I talked to a couple guys one said that 
we were ready to just straight up run through a wall for him. And that's just kind of been a consistent message is he has a lot of energy and a lot of passion. And that uh, is reflected very clearly whenever he has a captive audience. So uh, makes sense, sensible to go ahead and invest time and energy in the South Florida. Obviously that's an area that FSU is going to have to recruit well. And, and one where FSU doesn't have a whole lot of ties in organically from this current coaching staff. So yeah, you got to build relationships. A little bit of news on the transfer market, kind of FSU-related in the sense that it's against a rival. Uh, Derek King and uh, Quincy Roche, that's the quarterback and defensive end. Both are graduate transfers going to the U. Uh, I know the message board was a little up in arms about that last night. Any hot takes on that, fellas? I think it's a great thing. I would love to have Roche. I think it would help FSU. I mean, Miami's become like the transfer destination. It's a very weird thing, but sometimes schools get those designations by you know, just kind of doing it year over year. And I think we've seen that with the Canes. It assures Manny of one more year after this. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, no, it absolutely does not uh, ensure. Yes, it does. Manny of one more year after this. I think it, the only thing it does is cranks up the expectations for Manny, because if he now he's got a couple key pieces in place, it only um, tightens the reins on if he drops the ball, you know, if they go out and they win seven games this season, he's, I think he's gone. So I think maybe it helps him get that third year because they're a better football team with these two players and he'll earn a third season. But I certainly don't think just because they landed these guys in the portal, it guarantees anything for Manny. I think it only ratchets up the expectations, but it also shows that he is a man fighting for his life. And these are two big moves to extend his career as the head coach at Miami. Indeed, it, it does show that he's all in to win right now. Uh, we've seen with Coach Mike Norvell so far, uh, there's been this blend of, of him showing patience and not really wanting to to rush certain positions. Like quarterback, we've seen him not be super aggressive right now, him liking what he brought in with the, the two true freshmen. So we've seen that, and that's what's interesting with Derek King. You know, I know when Kendall Browles was here, that was a very logical option. I, I was going to just say, it's funny that King's name was always synonymously connected with Bryles. Right. And said Bryles would be coaching Felipe Franks. Right. And almost seemed so, – so this is what I'm having a hard time rationalizing and not knowing the full picture here for both guys. Uh, we know that FSU had some interest in Roach, uh, but to my knowledge, never offered him. Uh, I do know that they were interested. I don't know if that came to fruition or not. We heard a bunch of other names like Ohio State, uh, was Alabama, there, North was, Carolina, we're talking Baylor about before, before Matt departure. Before Rando. Baylor was, I believe, where he was going before Matt departed. And with Matt's departure, I think it, it created kind of a vortex for him to have to figure it out in, again. In both cases for King and Roach, and I, I don't, I was joking earlier, I, I don't want to minimize it because they're both considered really talented players with proven track records at good G5 programs. Uh, so, yeah, they make sense to help that program. Miami was the best school to really get in on both of them, right? To really be invested in them, which is interesting to me. Yeah. I, I, well, I know Ohio State was inter- interested in Roche. Um, I interested in. Yeah. Yeah, but, but they, I mean, they were trying to they were trying to get him in on a visit. It, you know, the transfer thing is kind of a uh, re- recruiting is a game of musical chairs, but especially the, the transfer portal thing. I mean, I definitely reached out to somebody Ohio state with direct knowledge and, and to confirm if they were legitimately interested. And he said, yes. And, um, he was just hesitant to say whether or not they were going to get him on campus. Um, but that's kind of how the transfer portal goes. A lot of coaches reach out 
it depends on the feedback they get, whether they pursue, you know, and I don't know, Florida state needs pass rushers. I don't see that help coming from the Juco route. I don't see help coming from the high school route, not immediate help. Um, so I think a, a transfer at his caliber would have been a great pickup for FSU. I think one thing to point out about FSU and the transfer portal is when it happens, it tends to happen pretty fast. Yes. Um, we've seen that with guys they've gotten, uh, Peterson, the tight end, I feel like FSU and him definitely have a conversation going on. He's essentially the one that's dragging it out timeline-wise because he's not in a rush because he's got to graduate to transfer. But uh, in general, Corbin came along very quickly. Taylor came along very quickly. Uh, even Cordell Jones seemed to come along, or Cordell yeah. Jones came along very quickly. So I, I don't think it's one of these things when you see something dragging out. If you haven't heard FSU to a point, like I don't expect it to happen. Right. And that, and that's, again, I, I don't know the full scope of this. I feel kind of guilty talking about it. I do know that FSU was interested in Roach, but I don't know why it didn't develop into more than that. And as Josh said, there was interest with Ohio State that he was able to confirm, but none of it materialized in like concrete come and visit. And, and I don't know the full picture for that. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to I don't want to minimize what he could be for Miami. That creates a really, really intri- intriguing pass rush combination down there this year for them. Ten days ago when it looked like it was Baylor before Matt left for Carolina, it was very much what I was hearing at that, that time was Baylor, UNC. There was another party involved. That obviously came and went with the Panthers' development. Then all of a sudden you're hearing VTech where he visited Miami, came along. It was very weird. It was almost like a two-week recruitment where the two weeks were entirely different. Yeah, it was it, From what little I dealt with it. You know, I really stuck my beak in that first week to see FSU was in. They weren't at that point. I didn't really worry about it on the second week. All right, enough enough Miami player talk. I'm sure uh, people are getting tired of that. One name on the recruiting trail that I want to add to our official visit list, or Chris actually did go ahead and, and did that on Knowles 24-7. We were able to confirm that Marcus and Douglas, he is a six foot six, kind of a basketball player that that's just fairly new to football uh, from the Tennessee area. He's supposed to be taking an official visit this weekend to Florida State along with teammate Darian Williamson who is already locked in for the official visit for transparency. Uh, I spoke to Darian. He said that that Douglas was going with him for the official visit. Uh, this is a pretty intriguing name because of the size. You can't teach it. 6'6", 240. Uh, David Johnson is his recruiting coach or uh, recruits in his area from his Tennessee ties. Uh, any thoughts on what Douglas visit means for Florida State? I put in the crystal ball. I think it just makes sense. I mean, I, I think him and Carl Tucker are similar ideas of what mm-hmm. they can bring to the play. Well, Tucker's very obviously, Tucker's of the far, yeah, if Tucker's way down the experience. line developed, has college experience, Douglas is more of a raw big body that it would probably take a little time to work him into the rotation. But I think what they can bring ultimately at their peak is similar. I, I think if he comes down this weekend as expected, if it goes well and, and you know, Florida State does legitimately want him, which it seems like they do, they did offer him. Uh, he was at Michigan State this past week, but was Douglas offered by Michigan State? I don't think Not we know sure. that confirmed, but yeah, I don't know Florida State doing. is the best offer right now for him. Uh, that, to me, would make the most sense, just seeing how this weekend goes. Jalen St. John, Chris, you want to do a quick update on that for us? Uh, a couple people with ties to the Missouri area as well as Arkansas have crystal balled him to Arkansas. It makes sense. We spoke some yesterday on the podcast about 
he knows the you know he knows a former Mizzou head coach who's on the Arkansas staff, or former O line coach at Mizzou who's on the Arkansas staff. He was committed to those guys at Mizzou, and then obviously the head coach of Arkansas, Sam Pittman, is an offensive line minded guy. They have a need at the position, so all those things make sense. He's coming off the official there at this point. The official to FSU is still on. I think they'll still get their chance, but I understand why Crystal Balls have started going that way. I'm interested to see how that plays off with the, um, the was it Jordan Scott right. So who's the, Scott? The, Robert. Robert Scott. Scott sorry, Jordan sorry. Scott's Fat Mac, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. At Oregon. Yeah. yeah. At that's Oregon. Oh, that's right. From and, Tampa. And that was yeah, Willie's boy. Uh, but I'm interested to see how that dynamic plays out uh, because two tackles, both kind of looking at the same same programs. If you get one of the two, I think you feel pretty good. Robert's right. got the better tackle body. If you're just looking at pure measurables and such. And upside, yeah. Uh, and they haven't had many of those pure tackle types come in in a while. So uh, last update, Alex Mastromano, the punter from Australia. Chris saw him uh, hanging around on campus Thursday of last Thursday week. Of last week. Uh, I can confirm that he is uh, he is enrolled at Florida State. I believe he has a class schedule, so not on the official roster as of this morning, but it looks like that's all moving in the right direction. So that'll put an end to that. Anything else, fellas? Schedule comes out tomorrow. Ooh. Oh, yeah, we'll do some, some superlatives for that, huh? Sure. Right. <laughs> I'm down if you're down. Yeah, this this was a not exciting way to end the podcast. All right, for On the Bench, this is Brendan Sinone, Josh Newberg, Chris Nee, fellas, thanks for joining. As always, uh, we'll talk to you later this week when we do a recruiting-specific podcast. Three podcasts in a week, yay! Chris is in We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. For the movie that hits like a bus. In a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.